Podcast. My name is Todd Bubbles, and welcome back to either the 21st Sunday after Pentecost or Reformation Sunday for the week of October 30th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And boy, is this a busy week. We have the Reformation text. We also have the 21st Sunday after Pentecost text. But I do feel like they blend really, really well together this week. They really come together, and I feel like there is a cohesive idea, which doesn't always happen when we have these colliding of multiple different biblical holidays on the same Sunday. And as you can imagine, next week we're going to have similar type things with having All Saints also. But I think it plays really well into where we'll be going, taking the question that we had last week is, how are you going to make sure that you're doing self-reflection? I think deep self-reflection is a key for us to be able to innovate. It's a key to us understanding ourselves. It's something that we don't like doing. It's something that takes time. It takes being in the silence. It takes being with ourselves, with our thoughts. Sometimes that's scary. And I believe at times we are afraid of that, but it's also in those silences, in those moments that that's where God meets us. And I think those are some of the times when God really lays out what God is hoping and wanting and is trying to steer us toward. And that's why it's so important. And I think that's where what we kind of got into a little bit with Alfred Nobel, what we got into kind of thinking about how does this all come together, being able to look at a whole process of something, being able to look at the scope of your life, I think that's important. And I think, especially in the time in which we're in, I think in a lot of ways, it's something that we need to be doing. And I think there is no better time than looking at these texts that we have this week and actually going through them. So I'm going to start with the Reformation text because there's only four, and then we're going to jump into the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. So Buckle up. We got a lot of text to summarize and a short period of time to do it. So the Old Testament text for the Reformation Sunday is from Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34. This is a very familiar text because this is the where God is going to be writing a new covenant with his chosen people of Israel. And he's wanting to write that in a way that they cannot break it. He's going to write it on their hearts. He's no longer going to just teach them, know the Lord, but they shall know me because I have embedded that within them. The psalm that goes with Reformation is Psalm 46, all 11 verses of it. And this is a psalm that is recognizing the strength and power of who God is and recognizing all these different things that God has done. And then in doing that, yet this God cares about me and allowing me, as like we talked about with the Twitter question, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in all the earth. Coming from verse 10, these moments of where we are reflecting and being able to try to wrap our small minds around bits and pieces of the amazingness and awestruckness of God. The New Testament text this week, or the epistle text, is from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 28. This is where Paul then is writing about that we're not justified purely by the law, recognizing that 
the law has a place within this, but it's through the justification of faith because we can't perfectly follow the law. And that's where grace comes in, this holy grace coming from verse 23. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then we are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the sins previously committed. This idea of how we are striving to do the law, we are terrible at it, and thus to build this relationship with us, God went and put himself in the position of through Jesus to die to be able to help build and strengthen this relationship. The gospel text that goes with Reformation is from John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. This is a text where you have Jesus talking to Jews who are, some of them are starting to know him. And Jesus states, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples or followers or studiers of my word, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The Jews then give a very interesting answer saying that they're descendants from Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone, which if you know a little bit of your Bible history, they've been slaves multiple times. They've been slaves in Egypt and we had the Moses exile of them in the whole book of Exodus. But then we also have what we've been kind of going through where the Babylonians took them over later. And this is when where Jesus responds to them, very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, and the slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a permanent place there forever. So the son makes you free. You will be free indeed. This relationship of understanding that we fall short and it's through the son that is able to free us a little bit more. So let's get into then these texts for the 21st Sunday after Pentecost and then try bringing all these things together. The alternative Old Testament text is from Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 and chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. This is a text we had fairly recently, but it's the prophet Habakkuk crying out to the Lord saying, do you not see all the violence and craziness of destruction and all these things that are going on, how they're perversing the law and all these different things. And then the Lord comes to him in chapter 2 saying, yes, I'm seeing this. I'm trying to help you have the vision to be able to see where I'm trying to steer you and know that I am still working and I have not abandoned you. I am there. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 119 verses 137 to 144. And it's this recognition, this moment of again, coming from deep self-reflection, deep time with God to understand all the things of what God is doing to try to help us. All these promises that God has made to us, all these things where God is laying things out for us, the law is even there for us. All these things that God is trying to do that are trying to last forever to show that God loves us and to give us an understanding of how much that God loves us. The other alternative Old Testament text is from Isaiah chapter 1 verses 10 to 18. This is then this text of the prophet Isaiah calling out the people at that point who are going through the motions in a way in worship, going through the motions of all these burnt offerings and God using Isaiah at this point to be like, 
I'm sick and tired of all these routines that you're making. I'm wanting to have more of a genuine, real relationship, not all these sacrifices and blood sacrifices and all these festivals and ways that you're supposed to be praying. I'm trying to establish something that is more long-lasting, that is embedded in us and recognizing that as you come to me and ask for forgiveness, that I am able to take what was filled with crimson and the blood of your sin, and I'm able to wash it white like wool of snow. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 32, verses 1 to 7, and it's the recognition of that our sin covers us and all these different things of how this sin can lay upon us and carry a weight And yet when we are confessing this, that this has a way of being able to make us vulnerable with God, but also this deliverance from these places that are lonely to recognize that God is in those places and God is working with us. The New Testament text that goes with this for the 21st Sunday after Pentecost is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 and 11 and 12. So again, we have, like we typically do with a lot of these letters, the introduction of grace and peace coming to the person and recognizing that in this that they have been seeing in Thessalonica the faith of what has been going on within this church and that it's being something that is talked about and that they're praying for them consistently, but also the recognition that they are praying that God is working through them so that God is being revealed in what they are doing according to what God is calling them to be. The gospel text then for this 21st Sunday after Pentecost comes from Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10. This is a fairly familiar text. As we've talked about before, this is Jesus and he's getting closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem, which will eventually be then the beginning of Holy Week. But as he continues to go, we are introduced to this tax collector named Zacchaeus, who is quite wealthy. And we always hear that he's short in stature, as it says in verse 3, which also could be meaning how he's looked at in society wasn't the greatest, not necessarily in height purely. But he is having trouble seeing Jesus. He has this desire to see them. He climbs a sycamore tree. Jesus comes to him and says to come down. I'm going to your house today. He comes and presents Jesus with here's all the things that I am doing, whether or not people are recognizing it. And this, when Jesus had initially stated it, kind of troubled the group of people. There's grumblings about the sinner. And yet then we get the next verse on all these things that Zacchaeus has been doing and how he's even trying to pay back people if he finds that he has defrauded them. So it's this different perception of this tax collector potentially as one way of looking at it. Jesus responds with, today's salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek out and to save the lost. And so here is Jesus giving this message of this recognition on he is still a child of God and that he is still trying to make sure that we are consistently staying on the path of where Jesus is steering us and our faith is steering us. So, Before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. 
Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. Heck, the thing about short stature came from Working Preacher's podcast this week, coming from Matt Skinner. So if you haven't checked out the that podcast, along with the other commentaries and discussions that are going on over there, it's a great resource. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. Like this week, I'm having to use two different sources to get all the text, but I typically use Vanderbilt's text every week, along with looking through their hymns, looking through their art, looking through their prayers, different resources there to be able to help, be able to formulate some different ideas and so that you go into your next week prepared for the word to speak to you in a living way. So if you haven't checked out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library and the revised coming lectionary coming from that, I'd highly recommend that also. These weeks are always fun. They're also very difficult trying to bring as many texts as we do this week together. And as my count has, we have 10 different readings this week to be bringing together. But I think actually they come together really quite easily. And I think also they come together in a way that builds off of what we've been talking about last week. And I think that means we have to kind of go back to another text that wasn't brought up this week to be able to build upon it scripturally to be able to bring the science in. And what I'm referring to is the first five books of Genesis. We hear the creation story and how we have that in Genesis 1 and 2. We hear then in Genesis 3 the early things about the creation and that then we get kicked out of our home. See, Eden was made and we are breathed into life. We are told this is our role. We don't obey it and we get kicked out. And thus, we are without a home. We're on the road. There is something that we have done. Sin has separated us. And it's this moment of reflection. If you look at the different texts that we have this week, we are dealing with sin and we're dealing with reflection. The Reformation text dealing with this idea of how the word of God has been embedded in our hearts and how it's through the grace that we understand that we're not able to perfectly fulfill this, that we should be chasing after God. And it's this recognition on how that Christ did what we did to be able to set us free, to be able to become the people of God that God has called us to be. All reflection stuff, all stuff that takes time for us to gnaw and process and be able to grapple with and grab bits and pieces of as we grow in our faith and be able to better and better understand what that all means. Then this is paired with something that we have this week coming from the Luke's text of Zacchaeus, this tax collector, this person who isn't looked at highly within society, yet that's where Jesus is going. And to say, I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus reflects on what has been going on in his life and is presenting Jesus either with this transformation or these are things that I have been doing subtly and I haven't been letting people know. Because I have been trying to follow you. I have this desire and it's something that in that it's, it's changed me. Second Thessalonians coming through with this idea of how we're praying that God is stirring within you to be able to speak that out. Isaiah calling out these empty practices, having Habakkuk crying out to God, are you not listening? And God saying, yes, are you giving me the space to be able to recognize? And the Psalms kind of recognizing that. Here's my hot take 
which helps bridge us into the scientific discussion this week. We have to recognize that we don't have a home. We have to recognize that we don't have a home here. We don't have a home here. We had our home. We had our home in Eden, and we sinned, and we got kicked out of it. And in doing that, we became nomads, similar in a lot of ways to what Christ is doing as Christ is kind of walking around, and we get throughout the scriptures on how Christ doesn't have a place to lay his own head. Christ had to keep moving. Thus, we are called into doing likewise. But what I mean also by home, because there's times we are called to a location to be in, is that In my opinion, when we are kicked out of Eden, we've lost that home. And in doing that, it meant we invaded other homes. We have been invited into other homes. And how well have we been the guest? Jesus tells Zacchaeus he's going to his house today. He's inviting himself, in a way, into his home. But Jesus also recognizes in that moment, especially within that culture, the hospitality that was going to come with that. The things that were going to happen to make sure that Jesus was taken care of. But Jesus then also had to recognize what was going on. Jesus had to be respectful of that. To understand that he, at that moment, is the guest in the house. We, after being kicked out of Eden, became the guest to this planet. Our bodies are temporary. Our spiritual selves are told that we are going somewhere else after this. So, we are homeless. We are guests here. How well have we taken care as being a guest? Because part of the reason I also bring up Genesis with this text is that we are called to be gardeners. And with being called to be gardeners, that means we have to be observant. And now, this opens up the door to be thinking more like an ecologist and being observant and being on a watchful eye on what is going on out in our communities. The issue that I see is we as human societies like more modifying things to make it the way that we think it needs to be. And how often do we take the consideration to think about our neighbors outside of humans, but sometimes even outside of what we're comfortable with, maybe other humans that we, for whatever reason, see as different than us, how well have we really worked with them? How well have we worked to become part of that system together? How well are we bringing ourselves into this community of an ecological ecosystem, realizing that we are a cog within the greater ecosystem, that we are not the ecosystem, we are a small part of it? How good of guests are we actually being? When we have talked about the endangered species list and how at times there's challenges that have come with that, and the frustrations at times people have gotten with what they see. And I would argue there's certain points where they are a little bit crazy laws within the Endangered Species Act. But on the flip side, we're guests and we're realizing that we're kind of taking over the homeowner. Have we tried modifying things so far that we can't even recognize that we are the guest here? We are not the owner here. God's the owner, and God has given us a job of caring for these other things that are here because this is their home. This isn't our home. This recognition of this, this fine distinction, causes us to want to understand this place better, want to be able to explore it. This opens the door to people like Linnaeus, Carl Linnaeus, who was hired by the church to go and explore and is known as a botanist, a zoologist, a taxonomist, a physician who helped 
formalize binomial nomenclature, the modern system of how we are able to classify the naming of organisms. And so in doing that, Linnaeus was called to go out and explore to understand this place in which we are in, like a guest would exploring a new house, like a child going and exploring a new area, are we are able to actually do that instinct? Or do we get too comfortable here and start seeing this place as our home? The problem is, is when we see it as our home, we don't reflect. When we see it as our home, we are then modifying it to how does it make it easier for us? Instead of reflecting what is our impact on the community at large? What is the impact of what we're doing? Why is something doing it the way that it's doing it? What can I learn from this place instead of how can I leave my mark? Jesus states in the Zacchaeus text, For the Son of Man has come to seek out and save the lost. In order to be understand who is lost, we have to be able to observe what is going on. We get out of the other gospel text, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household to guest. The son has a place there forever. It's a permanent resident. So if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. This idea of how we need grace, that we're not going to be perfect, but that doesn't stop us from striving to be better. It's one of those moments that we then reflect on what we've done and pursue to be better at it. But that means we need to be observant of what we've actually done. With where we are in the world, with where we are in science, we have to be observant. Even when the stuff is difficult, even when it's hard, even when we sit there and it doesn't feel good. This is the scientific method. This is what we are called into. Be observant and to work hard to pursue, to be able to go and do what God is calling us to do. Be able to be the best stewards that we possibly can be. And are we doing that? Last week when I attached the text, I know it was for the Reformation text also. And last year, or last time around what we had these texts, I talked about Team Trees, which was a YouTube thing that came around with Mr. Beast who was trying to make awareness about our climate and things that are going on on our planet and trying to get people to pitch in together to see if we could plant trees to make a difference and help make a difference. Is it a small thing? Yes. In the scheme of things, planting trees, even if it's in the millions of trees, is a small thing. But it also means that there's a recognition of something that's going on. It's a recognition of where we have fallen short. It's a recognition that we have committed sin. It's a recognition of asking for forgiveness. It's a recognition that comes from self-reflection. It's a recognition also to realize that we are a guest here. We are not permanent residents here. And trying to set up something that's better for the future than we have currently today. Is that not what we are being called into in these texts? As we talked about last year, as we had Team Seas, very similar, but looking at the oceans and being able to make sure that we are reducing our waste that is getting into the oceans and affecting sea life. Are we willing and able to look ourselves deep in the mirror and be able to see these atrocities on where we as the guests have gotten too comfortable and tried to make this place our home? Tried to make sure that it's a non-renewable resource. Who cares? This is for humans to consume. Let future generations deal with the problems. So what if it's hurting the environment? So what if it's hurting the other parts of the garden that we were told to watch over and take care of? 
Is that the mission in which we have been called into doing? I would argue no. Whether you are part of a Reformed congregation or not, both of these texts challenge us in our perceptions and preceptions on how we look at the world. Coming out of the Second Thessalonians text, To this end we always pray, asking for God, will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith. So that in the name of our Lord Jesus, be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 11 and 12 from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We as stewards of this environment, we as scientists have to keep being observant and reflecting and thinking about that. Looking at this like we're writing a scientific paper and realizing that, yes, we're getting beyond our methods. We are then starting to get into early results, our discussion and conclusion. In our discussion, being able to talk about where things have gone wrong, things that were additional variables, and what, how are we going to conclude? What other things are we thinking about need to be tested or revised or changed? We are not stagnant people. We aren't called to be stagnant people. We are called into a faith that is active and moving and growing. Thus, we have to be able to look at this place and realize that it's active and moving and growing, and yet that we are still the guests here. Are we being good guests? Or are we kind of trying to take over the place? Are we being bad party guests and trying to make this party about us instead of being a party about the creation in which God has made that we are supposed to more attend to. The question I have for you today is related to last week's. Since we talked about self-reflection last week, how often now are you going to make sure that you're self-reflecting? How often now are you going to make sure that you're self-reflecting? I think as we are getting toward the end of this liturgical calendar year and we're getting these texts from Luke It's these challenges to us on whether or not we are actually going to take this faith seriously. Are we actually going to do the work it's going to take to do it? And it means we have to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and take that bitter pill of self-reality on how difficult some of these things are. It means that we have to be able to look like a scientist and say, even though the results don't look pretty, this is what this means. Are we going to take the time to actually observe to try to understand, or do we know best? Are we going to be respectful house guests and be willing and able to try to understand our hosts, the ones who this place was built for first, if we're following our creation stories? And as we even know from the scientific perspective, we are a relatively new being on this planet. Are we going to take the time, the work, It takes to reflect, to be able to understand and try to work to grasp that. Are we going to chicken out and take the easy way out? I think the Reformation text and this 21st Sunday after Pentecost kind of leave these questions hanging in the air. And it's for us to decide as individuals and as a body of Christ if we're going to grab this text and actually run with it and actually make it come alive as Christ has called it to come alive. That's where I think we're at. Are we going to run and observe like scientists or run and face the ways of man 
that we know don't lead anywhere, that lead to praising in the temple in ways where God says, I'm sick and tired of you doing this this way. Can we actually talk instead of you talking about how great your practices are? I think it's something for us to reflect on. We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.